He is king eternal. I, I, I was praying last night in this, this, just, this phrase, king eternal, king eternal, just kept coming to, to my spirit. In 1 Timothy 1, it says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is king eternal. Amen. We serve a king of all kings, Lord of all lords. And so when we pray, we're praying not in our own power, or our own strength, but we're praying under the authority of Jesus. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. And so when we pray in that name, it's the name that has authority over all things. So darkness itself, death itself, has to bow under the authority of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Thank you, Lord. I love this. It says eternal, immortal, invisible. And I, I felt this was for someone today, but while he might be invisible to our eyes, you are not invisible to his. And there, I don't know if, if that's for one person or many, but you're not invisible to him. And we're going to see that in a story here today where Jesus sees us. Um, but I, I feel there's, there's some uh, revelation just to share this morning briefly, uh, which is basically if you hear a pe- preacher say briefly, that means somewhere between 20 minutes and uh, 14 hours. So uh, that's, that's the qualifier. Um, that's all we're going to give ourselves. No. Uh, anyway. Thank you, Lord. We've been going through this series on the kingdom of God, the, the culture of the kingdom of God, and as it's been preached by Pastor Jonathan and others, how many know the kingdom of God is counter to the kingdoms of this world? It's, it's nothing like this world. Its culture is nothing like the culture of the age in which we live. And when we become part of Jesus, when we receive Jesus into our life, we become part of the family of God, part of the kingdom of God. And how many know there's a Jesus is king right now, and there is a, a sense of the kingdom of God that already exists today, but it has not, not yet been fully manifested on this earth. There, there will be a day, it says in Revelation, where the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. So if you ever, you know, hear it, hear it said that everything's done and the kingdom's fully arrived, no, there's more. There's a lot more in store. But we have entered into the kingdom of God. So even though we're in this earth and we live in kind of, we're surrounded by the kingdom of this world, we abide and we are ambassadors of a different kingdom. Amen? And so that's been preached these last few weeks. And and, and one of the facets of being part of the kingdom of God or entering the kingdom of God is something that's been stirring in my spirit for it just kind of hit me as one of those super, super light, small, very simple, but yet profound revelations about the poor in spirit. And so, um, and, and specifically what I, it was like, I don't know, maybe six, 12 months ago, somewhere in there, um, it just started to kind of unfold to me and I kind of just would see it and hear it just in everything. It was like the Lord was trying to, you know, just show me this in, in maybe a, a deeper way. And, and so I'd encourage you, I'd, I'd, I'd ask you, I'd implore you, if you've heard these verses, wonderful. That means you've read the Bible. That's awesome. Um, so praise God, pat yourself on the back. 
but also uh, acknowledge that there's more that we can receive. Every time we come to him, he is king eternal. That means there's no beginning, there's no end to him. You've never gotten to the end of God. All right, we figured it out, and he kind of got boring. No, there's no end to how good and awesome and amazing our God is. And so you'll never get to the end of him. Thank you, Lord. But the, the, the contrast, this, this, this thing that's been, uh, again, a very simple revelation to me is the contrast between blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you read Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's where Jesus, the crowd was getting too big, so he went for a hike. And he goes up a mountain. He put on some boots. He made sure that he'd broken them in. Or, no, it was sandals. Um, I, I don't know how they hiked up mountains back then, but... Um, you know, we get blisters and we've got like super nice boots and whatnot. But anyway, uh, Jesus goes up the mountain, disciples follow him, and he begins to speak. He begins to teach them. And I don't know about you, but it's easy to kind of go through the Sermon on the Mount and go like, yeah, yeah, this is all good, and kind of just lump it all together. And even one phrase that comes out of the mouth of God is so eternal, there's so much to it, that I think often we, 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 we dumb it down, we limit how much there is in there for us, and that we actually need every piece, every word. And that's, that's how we're designed to live. You know, it's said we're, we're not to live by bread alone, but by most of the words. No, wait. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why? Because God loves us. And every word that comes out of his mouth is food for us. Every word that comes out of his mouth is freedom for us. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so we need every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So even if it's just a verse, there's a lot there. And let us not overlook it, but let us eat and feast on the goodness of God. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then you see in, in uh, multiple stories, in Matthew, we see it in 19. We're going to read it here in a second, but uh, I'll just give you the, the quick version of, of the simplicity of this revelation. But in Matthew 19, you see it in Luke 18, you see it in Mark, I think, 10, where you see this rich young ruler come up to Jesus. Have you ever heard the story? And he comes up to Jesus, he's a good teacher, and Jesus is like, hey, why are you calling me good? Only God's good. Kind of qualifying, whatever you're about to ask, make sure you know that God is the only answer and the only way to answer this question. And, uh, and he proceeds to say, I've, how, 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 what should I do to enter eternal life? And Jesus says, well, if you want to receive eternal life, follow the commandments. If you want to, you want to have that, uh, just follow God's commandments. And he said, well, which ones? <laughs> how many know we do that? Can you simplify it? If there's 10, how can I do it in five? Right? Hey, how many? Right? We do this. Like, let's, let's do a wager. We're uh, going through the process of God's got, uh, uh, been providing us, leading us through this process of selling a home and buying a home, and, and it, it's going to need some work. And so we're looking at materials, and when I'm talking to the supplier of the materials, he says, here's the price. And I say, well, that's not good enough. You know, uh, how do we... How do we bring it down? And we do that with God. We negotiate with God, right? And, uh, and he kind of went the opposite direction because his kingdom is not like ours. 
He doesn't think the way that we think. And how many know he doesn't need to change and be like us? We need to change and be more like him. So he, he says, here's, the, you know, here's some commandments. And the guy's like, yeah, I got that covered. What else do I lack? And he said, go sell all that you have. And he says this, come and follow me. I was looking through the Gospels. Every time Jesus said, come and follow me, there was a disciple following him. As far as I can tell, and I don't make this definitive. I'm not saying this is for sure, for sure. But as far as I've seen, it's the only time where Jesus individually, he said, follow me to the masses. He, many times he said, would say, follow me. Or if you want to follow me, this is how you follow me. You deny yourself, you pick up your cross, and you follow me. So he, he makes that available to all of us. But in his individual ministry, in person, one-on-one, he rarely would say to that individual person, follow me. He many times would say, go your way, do this. Blah, blah, blah. In this case, he said, follow me. And the, it says this, the rich man walked away sad. And he said, how hard is it for, rich, for a rich person to enter the kingdom? of?" And he says, I say it again. I'll say it like this. It is harder than a camel which is pretty big, to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And, and I don't know, has that ever baffled you? Just like, okay, sure, 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 sure. Well, um, or, or maybe you all just had it totally figured out. I, I'm a dense kind of guy, you know. Um, I, people close to me can attest. You know, sometimes you've got to say it three times before it clicks. Um, and... Uh, you know, part of me knew Jesus is not talking about money, spiritually poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of God, and rich enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, money was part of this equation, but I believe God was really talking about heart, a, a, a state of being. And he's, when he says, how hard is it for rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, he's speaking a, a state of spiritual thinking, I have everything that I ever need, and I don't actually need anything. I mean, no, to be poor is to be needy, and to be rich is to not need, right? And so I believe Jesus was, was, while he was speaking to an actual rich person who had actual money, and that was part of the equation, what he was really getting at was, you, you're not needy. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom that grants entry to those that are in need, to those that come in lack, those that come without. And not, God, let me show up and show you how. I'm going to help you be God. He's God. He's creator of heaven and earth. He made everything. You can't give a fact to God that surprises him. Like, God, do you know why the sky was blue? I bet you didn't. We can't do that, right? We cannot give him information that he does not already know. He alone is wise. I love that. He alone is wise. Okay, so uh, I believe God's dealing this here in our hearts, and there's, there's, some, there's something for him to, to, to draw out in us as we relate to God. So we're going to just unpack this a little bit. Is that cool? Yeah. Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 3. Um, if you have a Bible, digital, paper, scroll, Anybody bring a scroll? Okay. If you did bring a scroll, I would ask you to come up here and hold it because that would be awesome. Um, that would be pretty cool.
Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to, I'm going to pull out just some simple truths, very plain, very simple, but I think so important for us to get a hold of this. First, the word blessed. Blessed, in the translation of that word blessed is, is simply happy is he, or fortunate is the person. Happy is the person who is blank in this following group. Okay? Who wants to be in that group? Okay? Who, who is awake? Okay, no. <laughs> My, uh, I, I like to jokingly say, if, if you're not here, say here. Um, I also want to call out, it does not say poor, period. This does not have to do with the amount of money a person owns. It says poor in spirit. That word poor is tochas. Yes, we got it out, I think. Tochas. Uh, reduced to beggary, begging, destitute of wealth, helpless, powerless to accomplish an end. Poor in spirit. So if, if God is just, let, let's just, if we were to walk away today, all we need to do is get a hold of this. We're to be beggars that are helpless and, and unable to do anything. That is our approach to God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why are they happy? Why as happy as this person who is poor in spirit? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a long list of these. Blessed are they. Happy are they. Fortunate are they who do these things. But it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's what I love about this. Is they belong. We belong. Simply when we come poor to, to him. Poor in spirit. Poor in heart. David said this in several of the Psalms. I think um, 86 is one. 109 is another where he says, For I am poor and needy. You ever come to God and just say, Lord, <laughs> I got nothing to give you. And he, if you read in the Psalms, the perspective of David's prayer is like, for I am poor, of need, poor and needy, therefore, I know you're going to hear this. That was the perspective of his heart. And so I think there's something for us to get a hold of, very simply, in how we approach God, but not how we are to do or what we are to do, but how we are to be. As far as I've been able to find in Scripture... There's only really four classifications where there's this designation of belonging in the kingdom of heaven. One, poor in spirit. Two, the persecuted. If you go down to verse, I think, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Three, children. Do not stop the children from coming to me, for such are the kingdom of heaven, or theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or they belong in the kingdom of heaven. They know how to get in the kingdom of heaven. These kids know how to do it. And guess what kids, life with kids, man, it'll teach you a lot. One thing I know about kids, life is not complicated. It is very straightforward. As long as when they're hungry, they have food. <laughs> that's, that's a big part of life, you know? And if when they want to play something, they have a toy to play, you know, like things are pretty simple with kids. And how many know us adults, we overcomplicate everything, right? And how many know as adults, we 
know that everything requires something and that we have to earn something, we have to pay for something, and children just come up and ask. Sometimes annoyingly so. <laughs> My son uh, is uh, one of them. I won't name him. That way I don't have to owe him any payment here. But... Uh, <laughs> But I have a son, one of, one of my, my, my three awesome studly boys, and uh, uh, he has this knack for asking for things all the time. Like, if you have something in your hand, hey, could I have that? Like, I mean, no shame, no shame. Uh, it's just amazing. He loves to tinker with things. Some of you are like, okay, which one is that? I know who that is. But um, whose name shall remain nameless, um, but, uh, you know, you could be in the garage working with some tool he's never seen before, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I've never seen it before. I'm like, yeah, I don't use it very often. He's like, oh, cool. Could I have that? <laughs> like, where did that come from, you know? Um, you, uh, you walk in the door with something, a bag of something. It doesn't matter what it is. Can I have that? You know, it's just this guy knows how to receive uh, we're working on gratitude. No, I'm sorry. Um, but he knows how to receive. How many know children know how to receive? And in the kingdom of God, we don't come with all of what we've earned and what we've done and what we've accomplished and say, okay, now that I've done this, God, will you give me that in exchange? No, no, no. The kingdom of God is none of that is worth anything, and I bring you my nothing, and I receive from him his everything. Poor in spirit, persecuted children. And then the fourth one that I can find is when it's speaking of not everyone who, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will actually be allowed in the kingdom. This one will strike fear of God in your heart. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, and he goes on to say, they reply when they're knocking on the door and the, and the person, the Lord behind the door says, I, who are you? And they say, we've prophesied in your name. We've healed in your name. Like, how many know sometimes we can elevate the gifts over relationship? And and Jesus is so about our relationship. And out of relationship flows fruits and gifts and all of these things. But he gives gifts freely. But we, we look at a life and we focus all on the flash and the spectacular and the gifts. I love what Steve Sampson said. He said, if you're always looking for this spectacular, you, you're going to miss the supernatural. Right. How many know sometimes the most supernatural thing is to, to meet a person who has found Jesus and has simply said yes to him in every part of their life, and everything in their life is completely transformed. Maybe they weren't healed. Maybe they didn't have a major debt and God paid it off. But I'm looking at a new creation, someone who was dead but now is alive. That's amazing. That's supernatural. Is it spectacular? Sometimes. Sometimes it maybe to our own eyes it's not, but I think in, in the kingdom of heaven, the, it says the angels rejoice when one comes. But not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And then it goes on to say this, but those who do the will of my Father. So that's the, that's the category of, and I believe poor in spirit really kind of is like this umbrella for those, those categories, the persecuted, the children, and those who do the will of the Father, those are the poor in spirit. I, I believe that's like a, a categorization of, of all in one. Um, but all we know is we want to be these kind of people, right? Okay, turn with me to Matthew 19. It's going to be, I'm going to make it really hard on you. going to turn at least, I don't know, 10 pages or so. 
Matthew 19. When you're there, say amen. amen. I was supposed to take longer so I could drink water. <laughs> Matthew 19. I'm going to read this story just so we get it really quick and get it right. And behold, a man. By the way, this is in three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus responding to him, says, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. In other versions it says, For God alone is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to them, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't give them all ten. I'm not going to focus on that today, but I believe there's a lot we can learn just in that. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Okay, this is what is so interesting to me, is he came to Jesus and he knew he lacked something. He knew he was in lack. I'm here to tell you today, all of us, unless we have found it in Jesus, outside of Jesus, we know we are in lack. There is something in us that says, I need something. I, I, I'm looking for a certain sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and, and joy and peace, and I'm looking for that part of me that's not, doesn't feel like I'm all put together. Every one of us, I believe, is born into this earth knowing that we have that emptiness. We know that we have that lack, and Jesus is the only one who can meet that and fulfill that. And I'm here to tell you, in Jesus, you will find that peace, you will find that fulfillment, you will find that hope, you will find that rest, you will find that satisfaction and joy, even though you're going to live, not a, it's not going to be the easiest life. In fact, it might be a harder life, but it'll be so full. It's incredible, because we get to live with the eternal, immortal God, living with us, in us, on us, and with one another, amen? Um, but he said, what do I still lack? What's interesting is he knew he, he had lack. But here's the thing, he, he could not understand what it was he lacked, because what he lacked was lack. Does that make sense? He lacked lack. Jesus lovingly leads him here. This is the love of Jesus. How many know when you come to Jesus... Often, the way he leads us is counter to how we want to be led. You know, my son goes into the garage and grabs a chainsaw and shows up. And, hey, Dad, can I turn this on? Or can I have this? <laughs> and my answer might be no until we've developed enough trust where I know that that is going to be useful in his hands and not harmful. And so it's love. Uh, you've probably, I, th I think everybody here has heard my chainsaw analogy, but uh, that's love. I love that picture. It's just very, very, very simple. But God's love for us is it, it, he, will, uh, he will risk us not being happy with him because he loves us more than what we think about him. He loves us so much that he'll, he'll protect us. He'll keep us in what is the path of life, the path of righteousness, the path of hope and holiness and all of the above. He lacked lack, and Jesus basically tells him how, how to solve this. Jesus said to him, 
If you would be perfect, that word perfect means complete, full, mature. He lacked lack. If you want to be full, you want to be complete, go get rid of everything you have. He says, go sell what you possess. By the way, I feel like I have a word for about 14 people here. Um, you're to go sell everything. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you would be perfect, if you would be complete, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you, who, who got scared there? Okay, that's good. That means you have, you, you want to hear from God. Um, that's why you also have to, you know, filter everything through the check of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I don't bear witness to that. That's <laughs> a lie. Okay. If you would be perfect, if you would be complete, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And this version, if you go to Mark and I think also Luke, it says Jesus looked at him, loved him, looked at him, comma, loved him. That's Jesus. And I said this earlier, but while God might be invisible to our eyes, you are not invisible to his. And Jesus is looking at you and where you are at. And his only purpose, his only intent is that you would find everything that he has, everything that he is. And you would find it not through a formula or a process, but you would find it in relationship with him. I know that all of this probably sounds very, very simple, but I, I think there's just... The simple is sometimes where the, bit, the best revelation comes because we like to live in the complicated and the complicated is busy and stressful and some, for some reason we, we go after it even though we know that it's not good for us, right? We just do that. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you go to Starbucks. You know, it's not give me a cup of coffee. It's I need a half-calf, double-calf, two-one-three, uh, mochiato, uh, this or that, right? Like just ordering coffee has to be complicated. Um, I... I struggle at the, the drive-thru window because I'm usually in the driver's seat. And I'm like, okay, babe, what do you want? And I get the instruction. I'm like, she's going to have to tell you. I, I, I was good at vanilla latte. I was good there. But ground, fresh ground nutmeg and a, two shots of this. or Okay. Who's getting shot? All right. We complicate things, don't we? I get corrected by Starbucks, by the way, all the time. You, you say it in the wrong order, and they're like, oh, you mean a grande double, you know. Okay. You didn't practice before you arrived, I see. It's okay. We'll, we'll allow it just this once. Um, whew, if you'd be complete. If you would be whole. If you would be fulfilled, you would be mature. Go sell what you possess. Go, get, go give away everything you have. Everything you value outside of me. I love this. It misses it in Matthew, but I'm reading it just for the sake of we're right here. But in Mark and in Luke, I think we overlook this so often. It, right before he says that, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looks at us, and he loves us. And what he has to say that is often contrary to what we want. 
Sometimes he'll come in as a father and say, you know what? That relationship that you're in is not healthy and it's destructive. And I love you. And so, and he leads us. That's not a relationship for you to maintain. Sometimes, like Bruce was sharing, he was getting antsy. He was ready to go. And the Lord says, stay. Sometimes we don't like that. Bruce, was that always super comfortable? Yeah. He's like, no way. <laughs> and sometimes all we want to do is stay, and Jesus is saying, it's time to go. Sometimes we're coming to Jesus saying, look at all I have to bring to you. Look at all my talent. Look at all the things I've done. Look at my, you know, how much of the Bible I've read. Look at how many scriptures I've memorized. Look at everything I've done. All the hours I've spent serving in church. Look what I have to give you, God. Look what I have to bring to you. And Jesus says, just go sell everything. Just come to me poor in spirit. Come to me poor and needy. I believe all of us, we've only found salvation in Jesus when we come to a place of being poor and needy. So it's not without grasp. It's, 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 it, this is a place we can all live and remain and abide in. But I believe what happens often is we take a worldly mindset post-salvation, if you will. We get saved because we know there's no other way to heaven. Where there's no other answer to the, 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 this gap, this loss, this lack that's within us. There's nothing else. And so, God, I will come to you and I will give you my life. I don't have anything to give you, but I receive eternal life from you. I receive forgiveness. I have a, a laundry list of sin in my life. And I bring it to you. And you, and you said you can wash away all of my sin. You can make me whiter than snow. What was dead is now a new creation and it's alive and it lives forevermore like God I thank you that I have this eternal life how many know that's good news but then we we we, we receive this eternal life and then we go all right now God I, I'm gonna earn it I'm gonna pay it back I'm gonna I'm gonna show you that it was worth it and how many know the second we need to try and do it ourselves is the second we start going the wrong way that's quicksand right there. The way we came to him is, I believe, the way we're to remain in him. We came poor, needy, hopeless, helpless, unable to accomplish anything good. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We, came, we come to him like that, and we should remain in him. Like that. Now, this does not dismiss the confidence we have in Him. We were talking today about the what is impossible with man is possible with our God. We can have confidence that we have everything that we need in Him. That every spirit, everything pertaining to spiritual life and godliness has been given to us. That we have all that we need in Him. Yes, we have confidence and hope in that, but yet I still remain in a position of absolute dependence upon Him. That for one moment, if I were to try and live without Jesus, I have nothing. I love in, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Beware him who thinks he stands, lest he fall. There's this position of heart that says, I'm standing in the righteousness of God, but I'm only here because of his grace. I'm only here because of his mercy. Man, when you come into church, if, if, if you've been, not been in church for long, and you came in here and you see people shouting and clapping, you're like, these people are weird. 
You're, what you're looking at is a bunch of people that were really messed up, probably more messed up than you. And they're weird. They're crazy because they've been delivered. They've, they knew what it was to live in darkness and they've been brought out of darkness into marvelous light. And there's something to shout about there. There's something to clap about there. But then we sometimes, we live this life and then we start to, and we, we lose the, the simplicity of our poverty without him. And so we like to live rich and look at what we've done and all this. Man, let us be poor. Jesus looked at him, loved him, saw that he lacked lack. And he said, go sell all you have. And he says this, come follow me. In Mark, it says, take up the cross and follow me. And he says this, when the man heard this, he went away sorrowful. I'll tell you what, I love crying in church. I'm a fan of it. Uh, I have to be because I have no choice. I just, it happens often to me. If you, ever, if you were at my wedding 13 and a half years ago, uh, you saw a sobbing groom there just... <laughs> The glory of the, just the beauty of God and the beauty of, of the woman that he'd given me. Uh, but, you know, just in the presence of God, I'm a ball of mush constantly. Um, I, I was talking with a, a friend recently about when I used to commute to work all the time, and I wondered what people thought in the, the stop-and-go traffic on the way to work, because a lot of times I'd be just, <laughs> Jesus, I love you, God. You know, just a mess and crying out, and Lord, you know, and save Seattle and all this, right? And, and here... Uh, that's why I wore sunglasses even on rainy days. I couldn't see the, uh, quite as much of the craze. But uh, I love being, uh, there's a place for godly sorrow, which is profitable for repentance. There's a place of this turning, Lord, I've been away from you. I've, I've been outside of you. I've been trying to live rich, but I come poor and needy. And I need you. But there's also a remorseful type of sorrow, which is a, man, that's not a good situation, but there's nothing in it. There's no power in it for a change. And I believe that is completely dependent upon the position of our heart. Are we willing to acknowledge our lack? Peter messed up big time. But Peter was sorrowful, and he repented, and he turned, and look what God did with his life. Judas was also sorrowful, but he could not repent. It was a sorrow that was focused on self, and, oh, this didn't, you know, didn't go the way I planned it, and it, he felt bad, but there was no divine power for change because Something in him did not want to acknowledge he really had nothing without Jesus. It speaks of Esau, that he found no place for repentance when he had given away his birthright. There's a, a part in us that chooses to acknowledge our lack. And when we find that place of choosing to acknowledge, God, without you I have nothing Oh, the beauty and the power of repentance. 
I've, I've said this probably a hundred times. I say it often to anybody I'm ever talking with. I believe repentance is not reserved for a sinner. Repentance, if anything, is the practice of the righteous. Because it's in the very practice of repentance that we're coming to him. And it simply means to turn, or as Pastor Jonathan said, metanoia. It's a change of mind. It's a turning, a direction of my heart. I was going this way. I thought I had it all. But I turn, and Lord, I come to you poor in spirit. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to be done. Revelation. You can turn there if you want. Revelation chapter 3. Many of you probably heard this. I want to read this, and here's the reason I want to read this. Because we're, 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 we're going to be a blessed are they type of people. Happier they type of people. And uh, turn to Revelation chapter 3. But while you're turning there, in Revelation chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So I, I'm going to be a happy person today and read these words. And guess what? You're not left out. It says, And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And let me just say something. This, we are not living in a day where we get to play with time. We're not living in a day where we get to play with how much time do I have to really, really just lay down all of my lack, to really give him all. We don't have time for that. There is an urgency. There's a cry of the Holy Spirit drawing us in this hour to give it all. And so I, in love, the Lord comes to us and he says, there's not a lot of time. So blessed are you when you read these words. Blessed are you when you hear these words. Blessed are you when you keep these words or you live in them and they live in you. And when you live, they come out. It's, it's a part of who you are and how you're living. So we're going to read this Revelation chapter three. Blessed are us when we read and hear this and keep this. Verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither hot nor or you are neither cold nor hot, but that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I'm not here to focus on God's spitting. But he said it. Or he spat it. I don't know. Um, for you say, I am rich. For you say, I am rich. And I have prospered. And I need nothing. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom. Isn't it amazing? When we have acknowledged that we have nothing, we get everything. With that, theirs is the kingdom. That actually is associated with a kingdom authority that we actually not just belong like under his authority, but we actually are part of that. There's a place and a purpose in his kingdom. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This is the Lord not pointing a finger and calling names. This is the Lord describing facts about the state that we can be in if we are in this state like the rich young ruler, who, by the way, walked away sorrowful because there was no place for him to acknowledge his 
lack. If you go on, I, I know I'm throwing stuff in here, but if you go on to, in Luke, you read Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler, the next chapter is the story of Zacchaeus, a rich tax collector who when Jesus calls his name, he says, Lord, I, I'm going to sell four times. I'm going to sell everything that I stole and everything I've, I've taken, I'm going to give back four times. So there's a place for repentance for all of us. And, he, and Jesus, in this story of the rich young ruler, by the way, if, if Deborah's free to, to come up, you can kind of slowly make your way up. Um, but in that story of the rich young ruler, the, the disciples go on to say, whoa, this camel thing, I don't get it. It's impossible to enter the kingdom if you're rich. I, what are you saying? And Jesus said, with man, these things are not possible. But with God, all things are possible. And so this, this, all of this news here today is good news, and we're going to end with this good news here. For I say to you, I am, for you say, I am rich, that I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This is Jesus just describing exactly the current state of affairs in the state of someone saying, I have need of nothing. And then he says this, I counsel you. Do you know that in, in Scripture it describes him as a wonderful counselor? I counsel you. He's such a good counselor. When he counsels us, I encourage you, listen to his counsel. To buy from me, and I'm going to stop there for one second. When you're at home, I encourage you, go read Isaiah 55. And it talks about the same type of transaction where it says, buy from me. In Isaiah 55, he says, come and buy from me without money. And so, we, we, again, we're, we've been dealing with poor and rich, but really it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with heart. And how do we come and we buy from him? You buy from him with your nothing. I buy the everything of God with the nothing of me. With, when I am in lack, that is where his everything is in operation. Paul said, I boast in my weakness, for in my weakness or my lack of strength, my lack of ability, my lack of anything to do anything good, that is where his strength is made perfect, complete, full, overflowing. So buy from me. Jesus says, stop buying from the world. Stop buying the lies. Stop buying this idea that you don't need anything. Come buy from me, and I'm going to give you gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes that, so that you may see. Those who I love, I reprove, I discipline, I lead, I correct, I teach because I'm a, I'm a father who loves his children. So listen to what I say. Count, listen to my counsel because it says this. So be zealous and repent. You know what that means? Don't take your time. If you feel God instructing you, speaking to you, leading to you, don't dabble on it. Go, let me just weigh it and sleep on it, and we'll just see. And I'm going to ask three other people if they think that I have any uh, issue here with fully giving God everything. No, you know. And if God's counseling you and he's speaking to you, be zealous. 
and repent. Zeal is a, is a God-given, it's not ambition that's self-seeking and self-focused and me and what I must accomplish. It's a, it's a godly nature that says, oh, I'm not going to wait another moment. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn to him. I don't want to live another moment in my own richness. I want to live in lack that I might live in his richness. Behold, I'm standing at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'm going to eat with him and he with me. He, she, all the above. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Lord. In 2 Corinthians, I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And the reason I'm reading this is because when we say to be poor in spirit, to live this way, it's, it's not a formula. Here's the 10 steps to enter the kingdom of heaven. No, it's relationship. It's dependency. It's God, I can't do it without you. It's a state of being, not a list of doings. But Jesus says this, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God will never instruct us or lead us in a way that's outside of who he is, right? Everything that is good is of God. It's what he said to the rich young ruler. And so the best model we have in all of our, anything that we can analyze, anything we can look at, the best model we have is Jesus. And if we want to know what being poor in spirit looks like, we can just look at him in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. That, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. God, this has nothing to do with money. I don't think God is, 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 is mad at money. He doesn't even say money is bad. He says the love of money is the root of evil. To love money is destructive and it will lead you down a wrong path. But, but money is not the issue. That's why he calls us to tithe and, and to obey him with, with our finances because it just rids that idol worship out of our life. There's no love of money when, when we're living as a tithing believer. But he's dealing with the matter of the heart. Are we, do we come to God? Do we live our life based on our goodness? Or do we live based on our lack and our need of his goodness? That's really what it's all about. Would you guys stand with me? Lord, we thank you that you say, when we are in lack, that we, can count, that we can come and buy from you. And Lord, what you have to offer us is something that money cannot buy. 
We thank you that in you we have eternal life. We have salvation. We have hope forevermore. In this age of hopelessness and darkness and oppression, Lord, I thank you that you've called us to live in your kingdom. It's a kingdom not about doing this and doing that. It's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you it's, it's different than anything we've ever known or anything we've ever seen, but it's so much greater and so much better, and we get to, to taste relationship with you now, even though Paul says we see dimly through a mirror, and then it, there will be a day where we will see you face to face. Lord, I thank you that even now, through the dimness of, of, of our physical life here, that Lord, you encounter us, and you make yourself known, and you manifest your presence among us, and that when we need you, when we are in lack, we can come and we can buy without money gold refined in fire. We can buy clothes that the shame of our nakedness can be covered with white garments of righteousness. The shame of our past, the shame of our history, the shame of, of what's been done to us and what we've done can be completely covered by you. And Lord, we thank you that when we're spiritually blind, that you can anoint our eyes to see of the Spirit. And Lord, if there's ever been a day where we need to be able to see things of the Spirit, it's today. Lord, we ask you to give those things to us. We, we come and we buy from you. If you will, just where you are right now, just lift your hands to the Lord. And just say, Lord, I, you counseled me. You gave me counsel to come and buy from you. So I acknowledge my lack. I acknowledge the little I have. The, the lack that I have, and I come and I give you my lack, and I buy from you your gold that endures forever, that's been tried and tested in the fire, that'll outlive this life. Lord, I come and I receive those garments, those white garments of righteousness. I receive them upon my life. I buy from you, Jesus. And Lord, open my eyes, anoint my eyes, give me eyes to see. Lord, we acknowledge our need of you. Without you, we can do nothing. We thank you for what you've done for us, that though you were rich, you became poor for us. That though you were without sin, you became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I believe there's a, there's a spirit of repentance here today and so much of what we've been talking about is really just shaking off the things that, that go on up here that try and add to, add to whatever it means to follow God and to simply say, Lord, I, I want to live and boast in my weakness, in the lack and identify with your everything, not mine. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never said, Lord, I receive your eternal life, I'm here today to give you good news that what Jesus did on the cross, a little over 2,000 years ago or around 2,000 years ago, what he did on the cross was when he said, it is finished, his hands were nailed to the cross, his blood was shed, his stripe, he was beaten and bruised, all of that was done. 
That was him, the rich God in heaven who created all things and had all things, coming down, becoming poor for us, that we might, who in our poor condition, become rich. And if you've never received eternal life, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is, it's not a, a magic prayer, it's not a magic thing, it's, it's relationship. It's saying, Jesus, I want to start relationship with you today. I acknowledge that I have sinned and I've come, I, I, I can't add up, I can't do it myself. I come to you poor and I want to receive from you. Take my sins away, wash me clean. Take this dead life and make me new. Give me your life. I receive eternal life from you. It's, it's simple relationship. And I think even in church, sometimes we, we try to make it formulaic. It's, it's so just come to him. Give yourself to him and he gives all that he is to you. So if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus or you're here and you've uh, you, you just, this message spoke to you where you've been living in a state of being spiritually rich and you just know, God, I just need to humbly come and just lay that down and acknowledge my, my lack before you, acknowledge that I truly am poor before you. And there's just something in you that just says, I need to just repent or, or turn from that. I want you to respond this morning. I don't want you to walk away sorrowful. Our goal is not tears of sorrow that lead to nothing. That's what the rich young ruler had, and he walked away with everything but yet nothing. But we come to him in repentance with our nothing, and we will leave with everything. It's so simple. It's so good. It doesn't make sense to our mind because we can't pay for it. We can't earn it. But Lord, you are good. You are so good. So if you need to respond to the Lord, just come. Just come and respond to him. And if you're in need of prayer for anything going on in your life, we want to pray with you. We want to agree with God and agree with you for what God wants to do. So come and, and we have the prayer team. Some of you are here. We can have you come and, and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You got that song. Deb's going to sing this song, but I want to encourage you, just respond to this message however you feel led of the Lord. If it's coming to the altar, awesome. If you're doing it where you are. But, but leave this place having given him your lack that he can give you his everything. Lord, we need you.